God for his goodness and his mercy, amen, and for bringing us together one more time, amen. Tonight is not our traditional Bible study night, even though you will get some Bible that you can study, <laughs> but you get good preaching, always give you sound doctrine from, to make you go and look it over and ponder it, study some more, and so for the next four days, you will get some of that. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to go before the Lord tonight and just magnify him a little bit, sing a couple of songs, and then we'll have our speaker to come. But I want to say, you know, sometimes you got to you gotta draw a marker to say, I'm here, but I'm planning to get here. When you're living for the Lord, you know, I think sometimes we think that's not necessary and we just like to say, well, you know, God is good and God will do this and God will do that. But I think we've learned enough in this church to know God is always going to do what he is going to do. And it always fall back on what are we going to do? And so we have to say to ourselves tonight. I'm here, and before the Dibbles leave Sunday afternoon, I want to be here. And that just doesn't take lip service. That take us saying, I am going to do more than what I've been doing or give more of myself than I've been given to the Lord. And so I would like for you to think about that tonight. And as we go into the next few days of ministry, I want you to kind of just begin to... Uh, what the Bible says, examine yourself. Um, we talked about it this morning on our 5 a.m. prayer. And what we talked about this morning was what the scripture says that, you know, if we're going to be transformed, the Bible tells us we cannot just be hearers of the word only. We must be hearers and, and doers of the word. And we have to receive the word of God with meekness and we have to apply the word of God. It's not good enough just to hear what's being said. We have to hear it and then do it. And as we all know, we get distracted so easily when, we, uh, when we're not in the house of God. And even in the house of God, I'm going to challenge you for the next few days that you don't get distracted and you stay focused. You know, whatever don't get done, it don't get done. Because you have to mark down when you are going to let God help you to move forward and you can't let anything get in the way nothing and so I would like for you to challenge yourself for the next few days to not allow anything to get in your way but surrender yourself completely to God and don't wait to go home or in your morning prayer or whenever to respond to the word respond immediately to the word of God I believe when we used to have old time church, that's what happened. Someone responded to the word of God immediately. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, when the man of God is preaching again, if the word that the preacher is saying is impacting your life, then you need to let God know. I hear you, Lord. Preach the word to me. I need to hear this word tonight. But sometimes, you know, we you know, the, 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 the new age church has become cool. 
And when the preaching is going on, we don't want to respond because we don't want anybody to know that the word is challenging us. Can I tell you this? That pride and fear will prevent you from growing in the kingdom. You hear me? Pride and fear. And when you become prideful, that means you're always concerned about what people think about you. That's what pride does in the church. We're always concerned about what people think about us. And then fear says that I don't want to do this because I don't want to look bad. So pride and fear can cripple you. And pride and fear is what stops us from responding immediately to the word of God. And so I'm challenging you tonight and the next night and all day Sunday and even in between on Saturday. Just remove pride and fear out of the way so you can respond to the word of God immediately. Because we know when we walk out of here, there's so many distractions. I mean, the first thing is you pick your phone up. And you got that going. The next thing is, you know, you got a whole lot of stuff on, 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 you know, your to-do list. And before you know it, you know, kids and work and school and all the distractions. So whatever we need to do in responding to the word, it has to be done immediately. That way you get the upper hand on all the stuff that comes after. You will deal with them differently and you will not allow them to be a distraction because of the impact. Of the word of God in your life. So let's open our heart tonight. And we're going to magnify Jesus. And let him have his way. The praise singers I want you to come. You don't have to wait. We're going to magnify him together. And as soon as I'm done praying. Because I'm not going to be praying long. I want them to sing. And we'll get a couple songs in. And then we'll have the man of God to come and minister. Let's magnify the Lord together. Lord we love you. We praise your name. Jesus, there is none like you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the great I am, Lord. We've come to magnify your name tonight. We've come to praise your name tonight, Lord. There is none like you, sweet Jesus. And oh my God, we humble ourselves before you tonight, Lord God. We know you think good thoughts towards us, Lord God. And oh God, here we are. We know you have something good in store for us. But Lord, it is our responsibility to respond, to give ourselves to you tonight, to surrender, to humble ourselves. And oh God, we humble ourselves. We give ourselves to you, Lord God. Oh Father, we call upon your name tonight. We want the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Oh God, perfect love cast out all fear. And oh my God, we humble ourselves that pride will not raise up in us, Lord God. Have your way in this place tonight, Lord God, as we praise you and magnify your name and give honor to you, Lord. Will you consume us with the fire of your spirit tonight, Lord God? Will you consume us, Lord God, will you overshadow us, oh God, that Lord, we will have sweet communion with you, and that we will not leave this place tonight the same way we came in, but Lord, give us an encounter, give us an experience.
want you to touch us, Lord. We want a life to be transformed, Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Have your way tonight, oh great God. Oh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord some praise. Let's bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. Does anybody believe that this evening? Can we put our hands together? Hallelujah, Jesus. We want to bless your name tonight, Jesus. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. Say, Lord, you're mighty. 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 L
Doesn't matter what you're going through. Hallelujah. We need him in some in some capacity. Hallelujah. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, be my
In all things we give thanks, almighty God. In all things we give thanks, almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you tonight, Lord. We thank you tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Growing up, I always heard this statement growing up. Don't be ungrateful. Heard that a lot when I was coming up. And as I started my walk with Christ, for whatever the reasons, that thought just lodge in my brain don't be ungrateful and now when I used to hear it that was pertaining to people being good to you people treating you good don't be ungrateful be grateful how people are good to you be grateful when people do anything good for you that's what I heard growing up and that was right but then when I come to know Jesus and I've recognized what he has done and continue to do for me i can't help but to just thank him all the time i want him to know i won't be ungrateful i will not be ungrateful every chance i get i want to acknowledge him to let him know thank you for being so good to us thank you lord for all you have done and all you continue to do thank you lord thank you lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's ways are not our ways. And you know, recently as we talked to some of our leaders last night, we have, you know, have a couple blip on the radar screen concerning the, all of what we're doing to acquire our property and it's always a blip but the, the the thing about that's interesting the more the blips come up the more locked in i become the more i feel the power of god working and i'm like man i will not complain about a thing because all things work together for good we can't just quote it when it's somebody else going through. We got to quote it when we're going through that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Well, I'm not the preacher tonight, but I just feel the presence of God in all that's going on. And I'm so glad my friend is here tonight. Him and his beautiful bride are here with us. They're family. You know the devil's their family. Hallelujah. They're in trouble because we can't have October without them. <laughs> we can't have October without them. And so they're here again in October. They were here last year in October. And I don't know how we're going to do October without them. But we're so glad that they're able to come again to New Jersey from Connecticut. My good friend, Thomas Dibble, we want him to come and take his liberty in Jesus' name. Love you. Praise the Lord, everyone. So good to see everyone this evening. And uh, <clears throat> with your permission, we'll bypass some of the formalities and just get right to the word of the Lord this evening. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 9. Matthew, chapter number 9, and we'll read beginning in verse 27, and then 
I just want to bring to your attention an, another verse of Scripture, Luke 1 and 37. <coughs> what I feel, um, what I feel led to do is challenge your hearts tonight and uh, and tomorrow night as the the messages the Lord has laid upon my heart will be a challenge to the church. And then on Sunday, if you know somebody that needs the Holy Ghost, if you know somebody that needs their life changed, somebody that's hurting, somebody that needs a touch of the Lord, make sure they're in the house of God on Sunday. Praise God. And, and so if we prepare our hearts over the next couple of Nights, I'm sure the Lord is going to do what He wants to do on Sunday, and there'll be a great harvest of souls. Will you believe with me for that? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So if you're there in Matthew 27, just hold your place there, and I just want to read Luke 1 and 37, a short verse. It says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Praise God. Now, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27, it says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come, I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. I want to talk to you this evening on this subject. What if and why not? What if and why not? You can be seated. Bible tells us to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. The Bible tells us, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. It also tells us the just shall live by faith. So if we are to hold fast faith and we please Him by faith and we live by faith, then we had better know what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it describes to us faith and its effects. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Now, sometimes we misinterpret that Scripture by thinking that faith is the hoped for.
for. And faith is the not seen. We view faith as some pie-in-the-sky idea or dream that we have or something that we merely hope will come to pass or happen, but we're not really sure if it will take place. We view faith at times as something we simply wish will take place, but that is not faith at all. Faith is much more than that. Faith is the substance, the Scripture says, and faith is the Evidence, the Bible says, according to Hebrews, substance is something that is tangible or something that can be touched or felt. Substance is something that is real, that you can wrap your hands around. Evidence is something that you can count on to be true. Evidence is something that gives confirmation or proof of the existence or truth of a matter. So, faith is altogether more than just believing in or hoping for or wishing that something will come to pass. But real faith comes with tangible confirmation that something is going to happen. Real faith is substance and real faith is evidence. The Bible definition of faith is faith is my personal and intimate knowledge of the person, identity, and plan of the Lord Jesus Christ that allows me to discern what He is doing so that I can act in harmony with Him. That's faith. Faith is me knowing my God well enough to know how to act in harmony with what He is doing according to His Word and His will. Now, that is something that I can hold on to without wavering. That is something that I must not cast away. That is something that I can live by all the days of my life. Faith. Faith is knowing that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Faith says and lives like the answer is already on the way even when it is nowhere in sight. Faith holds its head high even when the circumstances have all turned against me and and, and everything seems to be falling apart. Faith says the answer is still on the way. Faith. Remember now, faith is substance and faith is evidence. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20 says, If ye have faith as of a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Faith is 
substance or that which underlies all outward manifestations. Faith is evidence. It is conspicuous proof of a matter. Luke 1 and 37 says, For without God, nothing, or for with God, excuse me, nothing shall be impossible. And so faith says, keep marching around the walls because the walls of Jericho are going to come down. But we've marched six days already and not a single brick has come loose. Not a single piece of mortar has fallen out of the wall. But faith says, keep marching around the walls because God said to do it. Faith says... I will open my window and pray because God will protect me even in the middle of the lion's den. Faith says I'm not going to bow down because my God can bring me out of this fiery furnace unharmed and unhurt. Faith says go forward. The water will part as soon as the soles of our feet touch the water. The waters will part. Faith says, sun, stand still. Moon, hold your place until we win the victory. Faith says, there will be an Isaac born. (coughs) Now let's bring it down a little closer to where we're at today. Faith says, we will have revival and harvest in Hamilton, New Jersey. Faith says this new building we're in the process of purchasing will be a lighthouse for the glory of the Lord. Faith says I will have revival in my life and in my church. Faith says, I will reach my world for the glory of God. Faith says, I will do the will of God in my life. Faith says, I can live for God as a young person. Faith says, the answer is already on the way. Faith says, the healing is already on the way. That's not pie in the sky talk. That's faith talk. Remember, faith is substance and faith is evidence. The Bible is our evidence. Whether we choose to believe it or not is up to us. We need to pray with faith. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The scripture says in earth. And that word earth means this flesh right here. In earth as it is in heaven. Faith must get down into our bones. It must pulsate through your body into the very marrow of your bones. Did you know that your bones, the scripture said, are affected by your attitudes? The Bible tells us that faith affects the bones just as a prolonged broken spirit 
drieth up the bones. It, it also says that a good report maketh the bones pat. That's bone faith. Faith that gets down into your bones. I, I don't see it yet, but I'm going to pray it into effect. I, I don't see it yet, but I'm going to faith it into effect. I don't see it yet, but I have some substance here, and I have some evidence here that the answer is on the way. We as individuals need to start speaking faith into our situations according to the will of the Lord for our lives. Start speaking good reports even before they happen. We as Christ-centered church need to start speaking words of great faith about the things that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to do right here in this church and in Hamilton, New Jersey. I'm preaching this evening, what if and why not? We know her only as the woman with the issue of blood. She has no name that has been recorded in the pages of Scripture. Her condition and her plight and her circumstances and her faith receive more attention than does her Identity. There are some things that we do know, though, about this nameless lady of Scripture. We know that for 12 long and unbearable years, she has been suffering with a sickness in her body. Because of her physical condition, according to the law, She was a spiritual and a social outcast. It was through no fault of her own other than she was sick. She had tried every remedy and every medicine and every cure that there was only to be disappointed time and again. The Bible says She has suffered many things of many physicians. It's not my message, but how many have ever felt like a guinea pig when you're going to the doctor sometimes? She has suffered many things of many physicians. She is unable to have physical contact with any other human person the most troubling being that of her very own family. The pleasure of keeping house and home is not one that she is permitted to enjoy any longer. Her life now consists only of daily pain and suffering that is agonizing. For some in this city of Hamilton and perhaps even in this sanctuary today, that sounds a lot like your existence. Maybe it's not a sickness, but still you've been now 
in this condition for a long, long time. The life of dependence on some drug is not what it seemed to be at the first. And now there is only heartache over what might have been. The life lived looking out for only number one with no thought of the Lord Jesus Christ was great at first. But now as you look back over your life, you are filled with one regret after another. The life lived trying to find happiness in a bottle and trying to wash away your troubles has now left you empty and alone. The life of trying to find contentment and satisfaction in a relationship did not bring what it promised to bring and now you are filled with disappointment and distress. The pleasures of this world that promised you a lifetime of fulfillment and Ecstasy have only delivered you pain and regret and disappointment, unhappiness and grief. And it's been this way for a long time now. Life only consists of the daily struggle of pain and suffering with only a few glimpses of what might have been. That's what it is like for many today and that's what it was like for this woman with the issue of blood. But all this is not even the worst of her situation. Because unless something drastic happens, the scripture tells us that she and her family are all out of money. They had spent everything trying to buy a medicine that would heal this condition. There would not be one further attempt to buy another cure that would bring even temporary relief. She was broke and in more ways than monetarily only she was a broken woman. But that is not all, for the Bible further indicates to us that her condition is not getting any better. Nor was it in a remission, but it was getting worse day by day. What was unbearable yesterday was becoming even more unbearable today. The, the, the pain that pushed her to her limits yesterday, pushed even further on those limits today. Perhaps that is where you are, or perhaps that is where you have been, or perhaps that is where someone you know is at today. No more relief in the bottle. No more satisfaction in the relationship. 
No more high from the drug. No more happiness from doing it my own way. No more pleasure from the things of the world. But the money is all gone. The peace is not there. The happiness has all but vanished. The satisfaction with life has disappeared. And worst of all, things are not getting any better, but they seem to be getting worse. All the time. Dreams and optimism are now things of the past. And pain and disappointment is the order of the day. Or worse still, try this one on for size. You're not involved in any unrighteous lifestyle. You're a child of God. You're trying to live for the Lord Jesus as best you know how. And still... Things seem to be getting worse instead of better. It seems like you're facing one difficult situation after another. It seems like you just get back up to your feet and something else comes and knocks you down again to the ground. It seems like things are against you instead of for you. And you wonder sometimes, is God really for me? Is God really on my side? Does God really love me like the preacher said he loves me? For the woman with the issue of blood, it had to be in her mind that this is my lot in life. It had to be there that things would never get any better. Even if she was the most positive person around, surely there were days and weeks and even months over the 12 years that she would just hang her head and inside want to give up and throw the towel in. But right in the middle of this terrible situation, Jesus shows up one day. After 12 years of pain and suffering, this woman hears that Jesus would be passing by her way on that day. And somewhere... Deep in the recesses of her pain-filled mind and heart, she pushes away the clouds of hopelessness and remembers something she has heard about this man called Jesus. That single memory brings to life one little spark of hope. And deep inside of her heart, not even out loud at first probably, she thinks within herself the words, What if? What if he could heal me? I've heard about what he's been doing. What if he could cause the suffering to cease? What if he could bring this situation to an end? 
What if he could meet my unique and individual needs? What if he could bring relief for this terrible condition of 12 long years? Perhaps even today there is a what if spirit rising up in your heart and mind. You heard that Jesus was passing by your way and there is a what if that's beginning to stir in your soul. The preacher said God was walking the aisles of the sanctuary and all of the sudden there is a what if waking up in your heart. What if God could heal me? What if God could meet my need? What if God could put my family back together again? What if God could save my unsaved children? What if God could heal my marriage and bring deliverance from the habit that I have? What if God would bring revival to my church? What if God would bring a great harvest of souls to the church? What if God would help us reach this city? What if God would help us reach our children, our young people, our adults, our moms and dads? What if God would help us reach the hurting who are all around us? Now I must point out to you this evening that if the spark of belief, the ember of hope had stopped at the what if stage, the woman with the issue of blood would never have received her healing on that day. But it didn't stay at the what-if stage, for the amber of hope was fanned by faith into a flame with the thought of, why not? The lady's what-if gave way to a why not. The what-if got her to stop her pity-poor-me party. But the why not got her out of bed that day. The what if brought hope to the situation. But the why not produced action. The what if got her dreaming again. But the why not made it a reality. The what if got her thinking. But the why not started her feet moving. The what if said maybe, just maybe, but the why not said it's going to happen today. Let me break it down just a little further. The what if says, yeah, revival would be great here in Hamilton, New Jersey. But the why not says, here I am, God, started in me. 
the what if says it sure would be nice to have our youth on fire for the Lord. But the why not says I'll be the one to pour into our young people to see it happen. But what if says, yeah, we want to reach our communities with the gospel message. But the why not get you out in your car, driving the streets at night, praying over lost souls. The what if says, yeah, that's a great idea to plant another church. But the why not says, I'll do it. I'll be the one to help show the love of Christ to lost people. The what if says, I love the sound of a great harvest of souls. But the why not says, I'm available, Lord, to do whatever you need me to do to see it come to pass. The what if says, it sure would be nice to have a clean church and nice looking sanctuary. But the why not says, sign me up, pastor. I'll be here to clean the church. When nobody else is looking, when nobody else knows what I'm doing, sign me up and I'll do it. That little lady didn't wait a moment longer. She grabbed her coat and headed out the door to where Jesus was. All the while, she was saying, what if and why not? What if and why not? What if and why not? If he could heal the lame man, he can heal me. If he could heal the blind man, he could heal me. If he could set the captive free, he could set me free. If he could turn that life around, he could turn my life around. When she got to where Jesus was, there was a large crowd. And so she said, well... This is just my lot in life. I better turn around and go on home. I've hit an obstacle. There's been an obstacle in the road. Uh, you, you know, we're trying to do something for God, and this obstacle is right in our way. Every time we seem like we're making a little progress, it, we, we get knocked back a couple of steps. We might as well just turn around and go home. Let's just stay here in the firehouse. Let's just stay here till Jesus comes. When we hear the trumpet sound, we can go slide down the pole. I know you wanted to do it. Obstacles come, and so let's just go. No, that lady said, I don't know how I'm going to get over there to where he is. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it over there, but I've got to get to where Jesus is. Uh, there's a what if in my soul that's stirring, and there's a why not that caused my feet to start moving. So she looks to where he is. This large crowd is gathered around on uh, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. But that didn't stop her because she just kept saying, why not? What if and why not? What if and why not? I'll try to behave. I'm going to stay right here. What if and why not? 
And so she starts elbowing people out of the way. I've got to get to where Jesus is. But wait a minute. Convention says you're not supposed to do that. Protocol says you're supposed to go home and and just be at home. Uh, Social society says, no, you can't be out in that condition. But she said, I've got to get to where Jesus is. Because if I can touch him, my life can be turned around. If someone would just grab a hold of that kind of a spirit in here today, there is no telling what would happen before we would leave here this evening. What if and why not? Folks, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about what the great God of glory wants to do in your heart and in your life today. I'm preaching about what the great God of glory wants to do in this church. This is not some positive mental attitude, but this is simply faith. You see, faith will put action to your feet. Faith will cause you to do something. Faith is your intimate and personal knowledge of the person, identity, and plan of God that enables you to discern what He is doing so that you can act and walk in harmony with Him. Your pastor has stepped out. He's led this church on a campaign. He's led this church to do what he feels God is calling you to do. It's not time to sit back now and say, No, the obstacles are too great. Let's just go home. But it's time to say, what if and why not? I'm talking about the God that created the universe. That's the one that's leading your pastor. That's the one that's leading you today. I'm talking about the God that gets pleasure out of saving lost souls and picking people up out of the pit of sin and out of the miry clay and turning their lives around. Talking about the God who loves to mend broken hearts and put back together lives that have been broken by sin. Can I tell you, perhaps the greatest soul winner that will ever be in this church you haven't even reached yet. Perhaps he's still strung out on drugs somewhere. Perhaps he's still bound by an immoral lifestyle somewhere. And God's going to lead you to individuals that will bless his kingdom. Praise God. Now, before I bring this message to a close, that doesn't mean I'm about done. That just is going to give you a little bit of hope. I want to point out to you one further element of faith. Jesus heals the woman with the issue of blood, sick for 12 years. He goes to Jairus' house. His daughter has died by now. And he brings her back from the dead. And she is made whole. The Bible says because of these great miracles that the fame of the Lord Jesus began to spread around the land. 
two blind men hear of Jesus coming their way and they seek him out. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. They shout out to him as he travels along the way. But on this occasion, he apparently ignores them. But their faith would not be moved or diminished. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. They continue to cry. They follow him, calling out to him all the way to his destination. When finally Jesus turns, almost irritated it seems, and simply says, Do you believe that I can heal you? The blind men respond, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus touches their eyes and says, Watch this now. According to your faith. According to your knowledge of who I am. According to your faith, be it unto you. That statement leads me to believe that there are some things that we control on our part. We know that God is all-powerful. We know that nothing is impossible with God. But this scripture from Matthew 9 tells us that it was the blind men's own faith that determined the extent of their miracle. It was according to their faith. I want you to understand this evening that there are some things that happen that are going to be according to your faith. In other words, it's you and it's me that put either the upper limit or the lower limit on what God does in our lives. We are the ones that control just how much God blesses us or just how much He gives us or to what degree He performs that miracle in your life or to what extent He blesses the church and the city. What if and why not? What if this would be a year of great prayer at Christ-centered church. Prayer is the life force of any congregation. Prayer is what gives the church its strength. Prayer is what gets the job done. Prayer is doing battle on our knees. Prayer is for real men, and prayer is for real women. Prayer is for real Christians. Real prayer can shake heaven and earth. Real prayer can bring about results that seem to be impossible. Real prayer is powerful and alive because prayer, first and foremost, is my right standing with God. 
you're in right standing with God, you can just say a few words and things begin to shake. If you're not in right standing with God, if you're doing your own thing, you can show up for prayer and pray three hours and nothing happens at all. But what if the church started praying? What if prayer was really put in a place of priority in every family of the church? What if prayer meeting would not be the least attended service, but the best attended service? What if the ministers of the Lord began to weep between the porch and the altar and grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar without letting go and said, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. You want to know what the best thing in Hamilton should be? Christ-centered church. It should be on the lips of every individual in this area. Christ-centered church. What if this church would really become a praying church instead of Praying individuals. What if and why not? According to your faith, be it unto you. What if this would be a year of great revival in Hamilton? Revival is an important thing to any congregation in any church. Revival brings with it passion. Revival brings with it drive. Revival brings with it vision. Revival brings with it desire. Revival brings with it availability. The individual must be and the church must be in a constant state of revival so close to the coming of the Lord Jesus. Revival drives the church to the altar. Revival drives the church to evangelism. Revival drives the church to reaching the lost and reaping a harvest of souls. And so what if a great revival started in this church tonight? What if a great revival started in the preachers of the church, in the pastor of the church, in the musicians and the singers of the church, in the Sunday school teachers, in the youth leaders? What if revival started in every family of the church tonight? According to your faith, be it. Unto you. What if this would be a year of great unity in Hamilton? Now, wait a minute, preacher. You've stopped preaching and you've gone to meddling now. No, I haven't. I'm still in the book. The great need of the church today is unity. I didn't say that we would all agree all of the time. I don't even agree with myself half the time. But I said, unity. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's Bible. 
Anytime you have more than one person together, there's the possibility for conflict. I'm not playing as long as so-and-so is pitching. I'm here, but don't ask me to play hard as long as he or she is in the game. Somebody doesn't like the way something was done, and so I'm going to take my marbles and go home. I don't agree with how this was handled, so I'm just going to do my own thing. I don't like that they didn't ask me what I thought, so I'm not going to be involved. I don't care for this person or that person, so I'm going to withdraw my support. Last year we did it this way. This year we're doing it a different way, and I don't like it very much, so I'm not showing up. Does that about cover everything? Folks, you can only fight one battle at a time. And if the battle you are fighting is against your brother or sister instead of the enemy, you are fighting the wrong battle. Whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, we need one another. And so what if... We really got unity in this church. I'm telling you, you're going to need unity more than ever in the days that are coming ahead. You're going to need unity more than ever because conflict is going to come. Obstacles are going to arise up anytime God's people start moving out and moving up. Obstacles jump in the way. The enemy gets a little bit uh, unsettled and tries to do everything he can do to throw things your way. But what if we really got unity and we said in spite of what happens, we're going forward. What if we really put our own agendas aside and joined ourselves to the vision of this pastor? What if we really got in one mind and in one accord? What if our praise and our worship was with one heart and with one voice and we did it as one? What if we provoked one another to good works? What if and why not? According to your Faith, your faith, be it unto you. Stand with me. What if this would be a year of great evangelism in the church? Preacher, you don't understand. We're getting ready to buy a new building we're going to be busy we're going to have stuff going on we're going to be tied up doing some things you don't understand preacher we're getting ready for that but I'm saying it's here right now what if you were on the wall like in Nehemiah's day. The Lord just dropped this into my mind right now. What if you're on the wall like in Nehemiah's day and, and, and you've got a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand? What if you're over there at the church putting walls up and getting things ready and somebody walks into the sanctuary messed up in life, torn apart? We're not going to tell, hey, no, I'm sorry. We're busy. We're working here. Can't you see we're working? We're being the church here. We're, we're getting the church fixed up for Sunday. Come back on Sunday. We can help you on Sunday. 
What if while walls are going up, pastors in the back baptizing people in Jesus' name and watching them come out of that water speaking in that heavenly language? What if you've got to have a team inside the church working and a team at the door greeting people because people are coming in because they've heard there's something going on here and God begins to draw them. Praise God. What if evangelism really became the heartbeat of the church? What if we hit the streets, as it were, and started bringing in the lost? What if we chose evangelism over entertainment? What if we said, yeah, pastor, I want to be involved in serving the church this year. What if we started personally evangelizing our own friends and family? What if we all started reaching for our neighbors? What if? According to your faith, be it unto you. I love this church. I love your pastor. I won't be here after Sunday, though. I'll be praying for this church. I have prayed for this church. But I won't be here after Sunday. It won't be according to my faith. I didn't bring anything special. I didn't pack a special suitcase that had the presence of the Lord in it. Just let a little bit out each night. No, I didn't bring anything special. What you feel in here today is according to your faith. So my question, as these altars are open tonight, whatever you want to do tonight, my question is, what... Do you need for God to do for you today? Has anybody got pain in their body tonight? Hallelujah. Anybody got a financial need? God can take care of that. Is anybody hurting tonight? You've got some hurts. Some people did some things against you. You, You've had to deal with some things in this life that that you shouldn't have had to deal with. And I'm sorry for that. But can I tell you, there's a heart mender here tonight. He's walking the aisles of the sanctuary. He can touch any heart. He can touch any life. He can put anything back together again. Come on, just say yes tonight. Oh, yes. Yeah.
reach out to him tonight. Let's get some issues taken care of tonight. Let's put some stuff under the blood tonight so we can be prepared for a great harvest that God wants to bring. Come on, check your availability tonight. Get ready to tell your pastor, I'm available this year. Whatever God wants to do. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We trust in you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on one more time. Let's bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, what if? And why not? Say it again. Say, what if? And why not? Yes, hallelujah. We don't have anything to lose. That lady had nothing else to lose. She lost all her money. (laughs) She just had nothing else to hope for. What if? And why not? I believe we're at that place today where we might as well make that declaration. What if and why not? We don't have anything else to lose, but we have everything to gain when we allow the what if and the why not to get a hold of us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to thank the Lord today. God God has spoken to us. you know this but I like to always bring things to your attention and one thing you will know about my friend brother Dibble he don't come with all the gyrations he don't come with all the hype he don't come to make you feel good if you feel good great but that's not why he came he preaches the word he don't get out of the book he don't come with some fluffy stuff. He preaches the word. And what a word that he has preached to our spirit, to our heart. That was a word from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For your that wasn't some canned message that he'd been preaching all around. He came with a word from the Lord. I believe we have received some instructions tonight. According to your faith. Thank you, Jesus. He was so on point. He wasn't in our leadership meeting last night. But Brother Dibble, you don't, you know, you know how things go, but you weren't in our meeting last night. And then the last thing I told him last night was, because we know we knew last week, couple weeks, week, about a week and a half ago, the bank said everything is in. We're ready to close. You guys have enough money. All of that stuff, all good. But I just know how things work. And we heard a few days ago that there's a little issue with the environmental report. And so they said, well, we have to, we, we can't guarantee closing anymore on the day that you're supposed to close because we need some other things worked out with the environmental report. It didn't budge me. I didn't stop doing anything. As a matter of fact, we bid on um, one of those um, scissors lift because we need some scissors lift. We bid on a scissors lift and they gave it to us at 500 bucks. And we, we, we're just moving full steam ahead like they didn't tell us anything about environmental report. Because according to my faith, I need you to say the same thing. According to my faith, God already told me that's done. I don't have time to worry about all the other stuff. That, it's already done. It's just a matter of the Lord's timing. 
and not our timing. And so we continue to do what we're going to do. But then he went on and gave us a word. Are you ready? I can't wait. He gave us a word, Brother Tom, that as we start, you know, painting and we start building the stage, there are people that's going to come in and say, what's going on here? And we're going to say, well, welcome to our church. And then we're going to keep the others working and somebody's going to go out and start talking. Well, you know, Jesus loves you. And we're going to get into ministering to them. As a matter of fact, you know what we're going to tell Brother Long? We need a baptism tank up first before everything else. I know we need to build stages. I know we got to put speakers up. But we need a baptism tank like ahead of stuff. So when we're talking and they're ready to get baptized, we just baptize them in Jesus' name. Pray them through the Holy Ghost right there in Jesus' name. I thank God for what he has said to us tonight. God has given us direction, encouragement. I mean, I am so grateful. I am so grateful. Thank you, Brother Dibble, for allowing the Spirit of the Lord to direct you, for being obedient to what God wanted you to say. We thank God for you. And Sister Dibble, we thank God for you. We, 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 we made sure Sister Dibble knew she was special. You know, that, you know, I know that's your man, and you're supposed to be one and share everything together, but we still wanted you to know you're special. Well, you know the ladies of this church, they love you to death. The ladies in this church love some Sister Dibble. And so, and so Sister Dibble, we're so glad that you and your husband came down, and we're thankful. You don't want to miss tomorrow. Tell somebody you don't want to miss tomorrow. I'm excited. Come back. We, we, the group, the group should not get any smaller tomorrow. We want everybody that is here tonight, and then we need some more people. So keep telling people that they, they, they don't want to miss tomorrow. They're going to miss a word from the Lord for them, for revival to start in their own life, for them to know that God wants to use them to do something great. Amen. I want you to give to our building fund, our reach campaign. We're still giving. Amen. Remember, our campaign is for two years. We've only been doing it a year, and so we will continue to give. We know that there's a lot of things we got to do. I ordered some paint today. Um, the paint costs $2,000. It's a 100-gallon of paint. A 100-gallon of paint, and 2000 is not a bad price. Brother Long had a, had a coupon. <laughs> so we're just moving right along, church. We're just moving right along. I love you. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Greet one another, love one another in Jesus' name, and give before you leave out.